I'm Chief Christy Giuseppe from TwoGuysTalkingStarWars.com, and you're listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming via the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, SHIELD, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. SHIELD's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. The navigating of one's day can be a very tricky thing. Getting up, getting prepared, engaging those around you. It all becomes habit for most, and with time, it becomes your life. Now mix in space pirates, space hunters, space inspections, space brothels, space puffy yummies, it all takes a very strange turn inside this, the third episode of Season 6, during Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming, this time Season 6, Episode 3, Fear and Loathing on the Planet of Kitson. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping before we get started. Facebook time. Hello and welcome to all of the new people we've found recently through Facebook. Yes. There's been a torrent of people that have latched on. Thank you so a much. Barrage. Thank you for chiming in. And please continue to do so, as well as tell your friends and family about our program. We're always happy to have more. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Feedback time. Over at Screen Rant, a website that I used to write for, Nick, they've been doing where there are at least four different questions that are asked at the end of each and every episode. And I've got to tell you, the feedback we've gotten from our audience states that there's even more. But we want to know even more questions that we can throw into our all-fan input episode at the end of the season. And that means that you have to chime in. Go over to our website now over at agentsofshield.tv and tell us what you think about what's being crafted during Season 6 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Nick, let's get straight to all the fear and loathing inside this episode. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Sorting through files. 
this minimalistic front end of this episode is almost hypnotic. What I also find are the seeds of what was an extraordinarily wonderful soundtrack inside this entire episode. Mm, yes, it very synthesizer. Yeah. It reminded me of Stranger Things. I felt You're like right. I You're felt right. like it was something right out of an episode. The soundtrack was right out of an episode of Stranger Things. Yeah, we're going to get to more on the soundtrack later on, but you are absolutely right there. Talking tech. Ah, the ability to talk about cool tech things inside of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. never ceases to amaze. And we're doing it like the second talking point, Mike. It's right out the gate. We are. It's right in the front end of the episode. Inside of this one, we are, of course, talking about the time and or teleportation hoop. (laughs) The teleportation hula hoop. (laughs) Yes. And that's what we get inside this episode, and it's it's super stupid simple. Well, you think it's a weapon at first. You do. I mean, fact, he, pick, he picks it up, they, and I'm like, ooh, are we harkering back to Xena? Yeah, because well, she had a she yeah. had a, a weapon that yeah. was circular, very sharp, and she'd throw it like a boomerang, and yeah. it would come back to her. As did a number of enemies in, oh my, it's the Inhumans. Shh. Don't talk about okay. that. Okay. Well, never mind then. <laughs> we don't talk anyway, about the Inhumans. Th- there are there are a number of weapons that look like this that can either be thrown or blah, whatever. But this one is actually a teleportation device. Mm. It's yummy. It's super simple. The the effects are very very basic, mm-hmm. but they get the job done, and it, it is instantly memorable. Checking all the boxes on the way in and out of being showcased inside of the first minute of this yeah, episode. In an episode that takes place almost entirely in a different part of the galaxy Mm -hmm. where there's tech everywhere Mm -hmm. this one right here right out the gate is probably the most noteworthy which is why it's our talking tech moment yeah and that's where we ask you guys what did you find inside this episode that was worth talking tech let us know what you think by going over to our website that's agentsofshield.tv click on the contact button fill out the web form tell us what you think Breaking the established trust and insubordination. This was great. I love it when this show, and really any show, amps up the dramatic nature of the program, and you say, my God, they went too far. And then something else instantly happens to interrupt that. Mm. So that you can literally get a break, and you it's not that you forget about it, but there's no question here. Simmons is way over the line in regard to being insubordinate inside of this exchange between the three of them and her inside of the, I guess, bridge-ish, yeah. inside the Zephyr, I, I was waiting for either a backhand or something from either uh, one of the one of the two not red shirts or Daisy. And before we can even get to that, it instantly gets interrupted with a welcoming inspection. This might be one of my favorite pieces of the episode. We're introduced to this new character who, according to the closed captioning, is named Price, P-R-Y-C-E. And I love everything about this character. I love the way it looks. I love the way he speaks. I love the way that he addresses people, as a matter of course, with a giant negative fork in the eye with every word that he speaks. Except he doesn't really know it because it's just the way he speaks. I love it. I loved all of it. Hmm. 
necessary for the story to continue, I guess. No, not only that though, but like a welcoming a welcoming inspection. Okay, I don't think anybody would have any problem to an inspection, but this is kind of like the guy putting on the rubber glove and then going snap, hello. <laughs> well, it's and it's great. I, I think I love it. I think where the the peril for this part of the episode lies is the fact that they can't get away from this inspection. You're mm-hmm. already in the system. Yeah. Uh, this this price character is a very very much by the book type of a guy, and evidently this this whole planet is a very by the book type of a planet. Mm-hmm. So everything everything has a time, everything has a place. If you're in the system, you have to be inspected. There's no turning on the reverse lights and backing out. You're in the system, so you have to be inspected. It's what keeps our characters there, instead of them being able to fly off and go back home. Mm-hmm which they didn't even know if they could do, actually. But it's it's one of those needed story points that keeps the characters who are fighting focused on where they're at right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it works. Oh, yeah. It also creates a playground for us to not only have our characters that we've been tethered to over the course of the most of the last episode, but it allows the two parties to come together later inside the episode. It's great stuff. <laughs> Detailing the next 72 years, and no one cares why. This is also great. Without missing a beat, Enoch looks at the two dudes after they say, what else can we get you? <laughs> and he goes something to the effect of, yes, we'd like to have a list off, a laundry list of stuff that obviously he and Fitz are going to need for the next 72 years while they wait. <laughs> And I love that. And the other two guys don't even blink because they've already got plans for what's going on already. And I loved all that. I thought it was a that was a great storytelling point. Oh well, it's it's more of Enoch's character because it's it's it is showing where this whole episode is concerned. It, it's Enoch is not human. Yeah, and he he <laughs> yeah. proves that he's not human because he tells the the guys that are buying the snails. And who will then hijack the ship in in a few moments? He's telling them everything that he and and Fitz are planning to do, and you don't you don't need to do that. Fitz even gives them the look. It's like, what? Why? It's our business. Keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. And you can say all of that in just a look and mm-hmm. a gesture. Mm-hmm. And the the guys who are quote unquote about to rob them don't care. They even say, "Your business is your business." But where this episode is concerned, it it gives you a hint at what we're going to be exploring where Enoch is concerned. The Tron-like soundtrack. Now, you've already mentioned that the soundtrack sounds very much like something right out of Stranger Things. Yeah. I would counter that and say it's from Tron, which is, if I'm not mistaken, what Stranger Things is also emoting is that 80s electronica yeah it's the beat. total synthesizer yeah, yeah. style mm-hmm. is what we're feeling here when it's a add, definite homage to the 80s yeah when you add on incredibly dark environments with lots of lines of of single colors uh mostly neon colors it's all here and it's a wonderful nod but also a great representation and super simple in regard to production design when you have a dark environment and stark one color lines across whatever the hell you're filming, it makes for a very dramatic background. There's a there's a piece of production design that I, I don't actually think I put it in the show notes, but it's later on in the episode and it's where Daisy and Simmons are standing in front of kind of these 
rainbow color walls that have it's not chicken wire but it's very small steel frame wire fencing in yeah. front of it it's incredibly interesting looking but it looks incredibly inexpensive to make and that's mm. a good thing yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for something that costs a lot of money I'm looking for something that's got not just interesting texture but that looks good and that's exactly what's painted inside of, I think, every single scene inside of each of the shots inside of this episode. There's a couple of stairwell moments with uh, Fitz and Enoch, but then also with Daisy and Simmons. They're all incredibly stark and stupid straightforward, but they all work perfectly inside the episode. Mm-hmm. More of Enoch's detail when it comes to scanners. This was great, too. You and I have talked, I think, forever in regard to both movies and televised content where just the mention of a frickin' sentence pushes off any questions anybody will ever have about insert whatever they might have questions about. And this is a perfect sample. Right. Enoch walks through the scanner that's obviously going to detect that he is not human. Except it doesn't. Why is that? That's terrible. What's going on there? And with no joke, he doesn't quite look at the camera. But he may as well look at the camera because he's talking to us mm. when he gives the reason to to Fitz of why he's able to do that. And I love it. It's it's the it's the instant snap fix for anything that anybody ever might have trouble with. And by the way, here's the fix. I love it. We got so little of Enoch last season. All we really did know is like, okay, so he's he's a, a robot. We, we were under the impression some sort of artificial being that lives for a very long time and records. He's an, he even says, you know, I'm an anthropologist. I'm supposed to study. Okay, so, and, and with what little we got from him last season, it's like, okay, so he's just a, a cooler version, an alien version of an LMD, just more sophisticated. Okay, we're learning about a character now, and I am so happy we have a return of Enoch. Me too. I am me too. So, because because you know last season the character was interesting. You know, don't get me wrong, very interesting and and integral to the plot of mm-hmm. last season. Mm-hmm. Now he's a character, mm-hmm. and this is the episode that really showcases that. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't become a MacGuffin. No, there there's no MacGuffin about they, it. At they all. don't have him so that time can be passed and nobody cares. That's not why he's here. He's actually serving as a character, as you said, inside of the storytelling process. Right. That's really, really good. What we would have gotten last season is a a lot more exposition. Mm. This, Mm. sure, we still get exposition because Fitz doesn't know the stuff about this side of the galaxy. So, of course, he's always being told something. But now we're being told something about the character of Enoch himself. You may think that I'm just a robot, but I'm not. I have organic parts that mask my inorganic stuff so that I can pass for human or or Terran or organic because later in the episode when the hunters show up they set off the alarms remember that Mm -hmm. they set off the alarms so Mm -hmm. one would believe that that species brand of chronicoms are not built to hide themselves like Enoch's version is so very interesting and it sets us down the path of learning even more about Enoch as the episode goes Price's character, stature, and tendency. This again stacks onto the I'm already pro Price inside this episode, but when we actually meet him, 
He's diminutive. Mm-hmm. He's stately looking. He's got the goony little specks. He's a he's essentially a cart. He's a comic book character come to life. And look, there he is in real life, standing right. in front of us talking. And I loved every single bit of it, including the fact that unfortunately, a character like Price almost always paints the hallmark of it's time to get arrested slash detained. And it's exactly what happens inside this episode. And it worked out perfectly. I thought it was great. He he serves a purpose. He's a exposition character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he gives you information about a the planet that they're at. B more about Fitz and Enoch and why they're wanted. Mm-hmm. The actor playing him, Clark Middleton, has been in a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and kind of plays. I don't want to say plays the same character all the time, but he's usually that that smarmy, wormy info dump character guy he's the guy that the main character of the story would go to get information Mm -hmm. from i mean he's been in uh uh, sin city on uh, blacklist uh, american gods he's been all over the place and this is the first time i've ever seen him play the more hoity-toity superior type info dump character but Mm -hmm. he does it well he does it very well yeah down goes daisy and so like that in a snap daisy's down for the count no idea what's going on until we come back from commercial break and then everybody else also goes down with the exception of a couple others that are able to save the day it was perfect the level of drama that served the spooling back up of what happens inside the next several scenes this is a perfect insertion piece for regulating the process of pace inside the episode. I thought it was perfectly placed. And it also finally shows that somebody can stop Daisy. Because mm-hmm. so far this Everybody season, and it's, it's, it's only been three episodes, mm-hmm. but so far every time Daisy has been up against an opponent, Quake powers, boom, we get away, boom, we win. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that we've actually seen, while they've been out in space, oh, Daisy's been taken down. Yeah. I also like that it, it really does showcase that someone can get the drop on her. Mm. It just so happens that they have to be semi-superhuman, not human-powered. Uh, you know what? I, so. I call that fair because she's an oh, inhuman. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, agree. I, I say, I say the, the, uh, the, the balance, there, there's a nice balance now. It's not just some alien dude mm-hmm. who wants to take her milk money. Yeah. It's somebody who, who will be a formidable foe. Yeah. The history and legacy of best friends. Who do Fitz and Enoch remind you of? I think what I really appreciated about this episode is that it drips Star Trek captain and first officer relationships across the board. There is the brazen acting, usually without a whole lot of reason, but because something's got to get done. And then there's almost always the other side of the card slash coin that is reason or a, a comedic insert because of processing reasons mm. throughout their every single exchange that they have inside this episode. And I realized why I'm engaged with it, and it's because it's definitively a Star Trek thing. Where in one seat, depending on whichever generation we're going to talk about, you'd have Captain Kirk. And then you'd have Spock, who, not surprisingly, talked a lot like Enoch does. True. 
Uh, I guess if in, you were inside taking of, next inside generation, of, mm-hmm. it would be, of course, data mm-hmm. because, you know, robots. Mm-hmm. But Fitz, I would say Fitz's character would be more along the lines of a Riker more than a Picard. Yeah. Or Geordi. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of a, a, yeah, a Geordi, a Geordi and a data relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a little bit sense. Me, me personally, uh, simply because this is also based in a casino. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a number in both storytelling, books, comics, cinema. You have a character who's the know-it-all and you have the character who might not necessarily be all there. Mm -hmm. Perfect example would be of Mice and Men. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, where this episode is concerned, I'm going to go with Rain Man. Oh, yeah. This is this is very similar yeah. to Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman's characters mm-hmm. in Rain Man, mm-hmm. uh, where, where all the, especially the gambling stuff is concerned. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, and I, it's something else. I, I also don't think I put this in the notes, but this is probably a good place to put it. All of the stuff that's pulled off inside of the casino-like environment here is, I think spectacularly done because it's small but you're able to have a variety of options and potential options presented because of the excellent dialogue of Enoch. Yeah. You know, I've I've surveyed the room and of the games that are showcased here, I've found 18 of the 32 to be blah, 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 whatever it is. Mm. And so you you and I both know that there are not 60 tables inside of whatever set they had. But You'd never know it because of the dialogue that As shared. long as we don't ha- ever get a wide shot, as long as it's nice close-up shots and fast cuts, mm-hmm. With you'll, never, you'll never know any difference. single colors, and it all works wonderfully. You know, for me, this this uh, the, the reveal of the casino at the very beginning felt very reminiscent of the cantina scene mm-hmm. from Star Wars. Which is why I was really happy that they went with a different st- style of music. Yes. Instead of the... Right. Because you're absolutely right. When when they start panning around, there's different aliens, and there's lots of walking by in front of camera. And Yes, absolutely. It drifted towards It gives you just enough nostalgia stuff. of sci-fi to go... Okay, this is what I expect. I mean, the but then not. Yes, yeah, yeah but the, but then not know what you're expecting. Yeah, it, and ab- the music, the the '80s synth music, helps elevate it to an alien uh, an alien level. Yeah, it it paints the atmosphere the the atmosphere both sonically and what you see inside the room. Yeah, is generated with everything that you've you've just said. Absolutely. So the guy is. The Time Police? Before we find out that the Time Hunter is also a different type of Chronicom, yeah. it, it smelled like he was he was a time cop. You know, it's it's a guy that detects rifts inside of the, the, the plunging of time and then goes and either tries to rectify them or steer them in the right direction or just outright kill the people who aren't supposed to be there. We, well, we I don't, don't know actually if know. you noticed, but there were a couple of times when he's on screen where the music sounds like a version, not right out of it, but a version of the Terminator thing. Absolutely. That whole front the whole front end of this episode. Yeah. If you rip any of that out and you put that did it 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 that stuff right out of the front end of Terminator instantly would work there's no question you're absolutely right now as a character finding out that he's hunting down fits because he doesn't belong it continues Mm -hmm. with uh the conversation that we started in the first episode yeah how have we changed time because 
you know they're they're getting the fits that was fr- that froze himself to be there to rescue them during crumbs of earth in the future mm-hmm. well that's not the case anymore we're we're that fits is dead mm-hmm. so they're saving the other timey-wimey wibbly-wobbly stuff is going on mm-hmm. even though it's not connected to any of the snappings mm-hmm. from the films we've got our own time paradox stuff that we're going to have to worry about here during this season and i love that the peril of somebody going you don't belong here and i'm going to make sure that things go back to normal that's dire especially for for gemma because Mm -hmm. well that means this fits has to die Mm -hmm. and I, I, i don't know about you but i don't want that to happen no there's also there's another component that reminds me specifically of the first episode where one of the big giant things that you railed on and i think you would if i asked you right now that you, you'll rail on is that, wait a minute, this is all somehow supposed to be connected and it's not. What the hell? Blah. Mm. And this painting, this lovingly, not pointed fingerly, mm-hmm. this is the reason. If if there was a reason that they can go, by the way, it's not connected and not have Nick get pissed off. <laughs> this is the reason is because this very much like when the when the ancient one is painting the picture for Hulk slash Banner inside of Endgame, yeah, this is one of those skews, but it's a skew that has nothing to do with any of the Infinity Stones or anything that the heroes inside of that movie did. Right. But it is a skew. Yes. And that's why it's not instantly tapped slash tainted slash impacted by anything that we see inside of either Infinity War or Endgame. Right. I got to tell you, when you start thinking about, is it all connected? I start thinking with that in mind, and I'm like, oh my God, that's the way you write it. Someone said, now you guys realize that we're not going to have episodes for a year, so how do we need to be writing this? And someone looks at them and says, don't worry about it. Just write. Write compelling. Mm Mm-hmm. Someone might have looked back at them and go, what do you mean? Uh, if this epic impacting stuff is going to happen, how do we just not address any of it? And the answer, of course, is you don't address any of it. Right. And now, again, as we start fast forwarding through this season, and if we get to where that's the case, now how really kick ass is the writing and creative staff here? And, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing on, on their creativity. Again, I'm enjoying this season by thinking that it is still connected, mm-hmm. and we're just not talking about the fact that the universe has half as few beings in it, mm-hmm. because it was still a very populated universe to begin with anyway. Yeah. The fact that we have this askew stuff going on in our show, and we have timey-wimey, just, just full-on time-caperness of Endgame, we have the film Enter the Spider-Verse, brilliant Spider-Man film, actually probably one of my favorite Spider-Man films mm. of all time. Mm. And just recently with the newest trailer dropping for Spider-Man Far From Home after Endgame came out, mm-hmm. the revelation of maybe, maybe not Mysterio is from a parallel alternate reality. The snapping had ripped a hole in the space-time continuum and there's alternate universes. The fact that there's all this po- these possibilities, I'm elated because that's that's just more storytelling mm-hmm. of what ifs. And we've talked about on this yeah, show oh before. Yeah. We love the what ifs. Absolutely. To add a what if element to this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., 
I'm two thumbs up where that's concerned. Yeah. Enoch goes all in errantly. This is yet another nod slash reminder slash this is tethered to uh, there's at least two handfuls of episodes of Star Trek that I can point to where one of the characters that is savvy about insert whatever says X and then the one that isn't savvy but is incredibly tech minded does Y and because they do Y and don't have any of the common sense of the other character they lose and they lose big and that's exactly what happens here and it plays out wonderfully you know exactly where all of this is going and it's because you and I can look at smarmy, long-haired, really bad teeth bastard inside of this episode. Yeah. And we go, ah, well, there's the guy that's going to lie to you. Okay, well, Enoch doesn't have that built in. And I love that we get that the guy that's going to be the the peppered, continual answer for every single problem that Fitz is ever going to have has all the answers, except that he doesn't have all the answers. Right. And I love that. It, it, it gives you the, the shiny Achilles tendon moment of Enoch, where even Enoch recognizes, my God, what happened. And it's fun to watch that. It's fun to watch. You can literally watch the, the look on the actor's face where he realizes his own error. And that not only has the error stricken both he and Fitz into some real problem area, he doesn't right then know exactly what the next step is. And he's used to knowing all the steps because he's seen all the steps in the many, many years where he just sits around and waits for things to happen. Right. And he well, doesn't have any of that. The steps that he, he sees planned out are easy steps because he's never had to interact. Yeah. Uh, again, this is, a, this is a case where I, I know you compare it to a lot of Star Trek stuff. Uh, this would be in a, in a Star Trek story, spe- specifically Next Generation, this would be Data trying to understand the concept of humans lying slash bluffing, blah, blah, blah. But this is not the case mm-hmm. in this because Enoch doesn't care about wanting to be human. He doesn't want to be human. Mm-hmm. He's studying humanity. And this shows how little he really does understand about humanity because he didn't know about being deceived and lying and bluffing and things like that. It also adds to the fact that, well, if Enoch was just going to be able to easily win in the casino, then well, where's the where's the peril? Where is the peril of, of losing? Where is the peril of being so desperate that they have to do something as desperate as what we see them end up doing uh, towards the end of the episode? Mm-hmm. This is a nice beat because it adds more friction between the two best friend characters where at this point in time it's Fitz is kind of just telling Enoch what he needs to hear to do what Fitz wants him to do. Seeing that evolve by the end of the episode is great. Suck on some calm. This is great. One of the newfound controllers slash space pirates inside of this <laughs> this is this is awesome when it's all kind of going south with Daisy and, and everybody stuck on some calm. <laughs> it was great. I'm so gonna try and steal that. It just sounds kind of awkward, especially if the wrong people were inside the room to say something like that. But I, I thought that that was great. I'd never heard that before, and it was good. It is a very creative way of saying chill out, <laughs> and the way that they phrase it. Very alien. Yeah, it re- reminds me boldly of yet another episode of 
Star Trek Voyager. That was actually a good one. And inside of it, it's when somebody is looking at something and the word glimpse is always used. So the sample would be, I did glimpse, insert whatever I saw happened on Thursday of last week. It was very interesting to glimpse that. Where it's just, it's a different, it's a different vocabulary. I gleaned word. information <laughs> through the interrogation of yeah. our prisoner. Yeah. And I like that. I think that's why I like that episode. It's the one where they, Chakotay finds out why his people have the tattoo across the, the eyebrow on the top of their, top of their forehead. It was, it was, it was very interesting. The crunching and strange angles of fingers. This was brilliant, mostly because it's stupid simple. There's the chicken bone crack, and then there's the very awkward, very strange silence for a moment, and then there's just the ah! <laughs> sound from one of the space pirates, and then there's the pan to the camera that, oh, wow, look at these five fingers. Oh, wait a minute, what happened to that one? <laughs> right, right. That was brilliant. And then the next one is even better because they don't have to show anything. All they have is the, the subdued chicken bone snap and then the guy going. And, and it's perfect. Yeah. It was it was absolutely perfect. It's, it's some of the perfect, clear put, you need to be doing what I'm telling you moments that I've ever seen inside of television. Because it's super graphic with the dislocated finger. And then it's the supposition that the exact same thing happened again. And she gets exactly what she wants almost instantaneously. Yeah. It was great. Here, take some of the food, fellow Terran on an empty stomach. I was super curious when we first heard this, when Enoch literally stops Fitz from imbibing one of the yummy fluffies inside of this episode, that somebody was errantly going to find the jar slash container of fluffy yummies and we would have to find out what would happen with a Terran if a Terran were to eat them, yeah. in particular on an empty stomach. Oh, and we find out in spades inside this episode. We do, and it's hilarious. Time to be a specimen in the brothels. <laughs> no, brothels are not an option. <laughs> this was... This was fabulous. This is where, again, I want to sit in on this writer's creator's room. And I want to be the dude that goes, hey, what if, I'm just thinking out loud here, just hear me out. What if Fitz and Enoch lose everything? Like everything. Like Enoch screws the pooch and they lose everything. Mm, okay. All right. Yeah. And the only thing that they can do now, because, of course, they're both strong healthy specimens is sell their bodies inside the brothel. <laughs> and here it is. Here it is. I, I love that this is depicted. I love even more that it's waved off very quickly and gone on to something that's in the same vein. I, I think that that's a brilliant move here. Right. It was easily one of the my favorite pieces of the episode. It is a scene that if you cut it from the episode, it does nothing. It, it does not disrupt <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah. But... For the fact that this is more of an uh, more of a comedy episode, it really is. This it's, scene adds to the buddy road trip genre yeah. that we're experiencing through Fitz and Enoch's character. Yeah. Th this is Agents of the Galaxy, dude. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Think about it. The flavor and waft that's inside this episode. 
You could lift any one of these jokes, grab the appropriate characters out of the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, and you instantly could. have it play. Yeah. And I think that that's intentional. The the other giant waft that we get later on inside the episode is very much Ragnarok. The, for, for as much as everybody wants to call Ragnarok that super hilarious laugh fest of a Marvel film, I think people forget how much dire stuff happens inside of Ragnarok. Well, yeah. And yeah. it's able to paint itself out of a very dark hole with all of the humor that happens inside of the episode. But it is very dark oh yeah it doesn't get any more dark than hey look it's it's the goddess of death by the way her name is hella by the way look no more eye for thor by the way look the destruction of asgard by the way look everything that these thousands of people have known for millennia is gone by the way look thanos's ship (laughs) <laughs> right. All of those things are incredibly dark. And so that's why I've, I always had trouble with someone saying, yeah, Ragnarok wasn't my flavor. It was just too funny. If you lift all the humor out of Ragnarok, you have a movie that would probably be painted as super ultra dark and no one would have liked it. Uh, well, I mean, there would have been some people who would have liked it. There were some people there was. I would have. Right. You're one of the few people that feels that there was too there was too much humor. In yes. It. This. I feel this episode had the right amount of humor for the situation because of the stakes, the wacky yeah. stakes yes. that yeah. Fitz and Enoch find them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only that, that you could tell, not only by the name of the episode, but the style of music that was used, all the shots that were used, the homages to different films from the 70s and 80s. Somebody was had a had a plan for this episode mm-hmm. and this episode was shot with a more comedic yeah. flair to it even though there are a lot of dire things that happen in this episode oh, yeah. as well mm-hmm. and i think it even the, starts off like it does a terminator right film. yeah so, exactly yeah, who, who, somebody's on the hunt for yeah. fitz and enoch yeah, yeah i mean that's that's dire stuff it works out perfectly yeah. again it's 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 the it's the stealing of quote a formula that has worked in other things that instantly works here too Time to avoid slavery. Wow. Well, you, you you avoid slavery by not putting yourself in the situation to become a slave. But when you can't do that, cheat. Yeah. This is very interesting. We've got a couple other bullet points here that I'll kind of wrap into these two just because we can. One of the other bullet points here was engage the Fitz whistle. And this was brilliant. Uh, the only thing I think I may have not liked was that Obviously, in addition to hoping that every single race represented inside of the room would not hear anything, mm-hmm. you'd have figured Enoch would figure out a way to whistle without literally like curling his lips and going <whistles> or whatever he does to whistle. True. Because at some point, somebody would notice something, especially that giant green dude who was, it's like he had 30 eyes on the front of his face anyway, mm. because he saw every single thing going left, right, sideways, anything, anywhere. True, but that guy would have just seen Enoch moving his mouth like he's a weirdo. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no noise is coming out of his mouth. So it's like, what's, ro- what's wrong with that guy? Yeah. He's been doing too many of those puffers. <laughs> Speaking of which. The trippy trip time of the yummies. I wanted to just mention that there's trippy, trippy time inside of this episode with the yummies here, but we will readdress it right after this. (laughs) 
the Time Hunters shift shape. This was very interesting because, again, it throws an absolute question mark as to who and what this character is. And I love it. I love that he doesn't talk much. I love that we don't hardly know anything about this character except kind of what he wants to go and find. And that mystery instantly propels our interest in that character throughout the entire episode. Hmm. Yeah, well, uh, again, it's you don't want to show all your cards where your villain is concerned. So to continue having surprises show up like this, I mean, just morphing to get out of the cuffs. Whoa, okay, that's that's something that you don't expect. Shape-shifting, time-cop-hunting, shape-shifting. I mean, it's so cool. <laughs> Drunky drunk time gets old PDQ. I know it's my now 49 years of being straight edge, but the drunken drunky time of the fluffy yummies inside this episode got really, really old really, really fast for me. Mm, I, I yeah. think maybe maybe twenty percent too long. I don't I know. I think if you'd have gone me, they changed it up enough to where it was never it, the same thing yeah. twice. So Okay. Yeah. The whole reason why we have this section in the episode goes to the naming of the episode. The, the the fact that the episode is called Fear and Loathing on the Planet of Kitson. It's an homage to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. The the story uh very drug centric and there are there's a the famous scene from the the film adaptation with Johnny Depp and Benicio del Toro where they are out of their minds drunk high on stuff tripping around walking through a casino trying to get to where they're going there's even narration very similar to like what Daisy was doing mm -hmm. and again another homage and I'm a big fan of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So the fact that we had something like that and then we were able to switch things up where the drunkenness, the trippiness was concerned. I mean, you get the bright lights and the, you know, the trails and ooh, it's all rainbows. But then you get the girls night kind of a thing, the the girl power type storyline where they're drunk, they're having a good time, but they're opening up about their feelings. There was so much going on during these drunky drunk moments that I guess being an ex-bouncer and seeing stuff like this also in real life and I've I've had my moments where I've had maybe a little bit too much to drink to where I've I've ended up on a carpet or two just <laughs> feeling it and, and enjoying how soft and, and, and cuddly it is uh, for, for me it it just uh, added to the the humor to the episode I I liked a good portion of it I I, I have not seen Free and Loathing in Las Vegas so I guess I'll have to Make time to do that so that I can appreciate the episode more. Eh, maybe. So maybe. anyway, uh, something I, wanted, I just wanted to mention, but more importantly, I wanted to ask you guys: Was there enough drunky, drunk, fluffy, yummy time inside of this episode, or was there too much drunky, drunk, fluffy, yummy time inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going again over to Facebook. Trip out over in Facebook, man. <laughs> We're going to invite you over to the carpet to sit down <laughs> and roll around a while with us. Tell us how you really feel. Never hit on four. Or get an alien arrow jart to the chest. <laughs> well, now we know why Enoch told Fitz 
to not get a 14. <laughs> yeah. 14 is instant death. Instant death. <laughs> and uh, this is great. Uh, again, they've picked another character actor from someplace that's awesome. <laughs> because that guy totally deserves to die. <laughs> and so he does. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing that. And I loved it. I, I loved I was almost certain when you and I were talking about casino-ness, whenever we were talking about this previously, I was almost certain when we got to the casino-ness that I was going to hate this episode. And I didn't. I didn't hate any of it at all because they insert stuff like this that's completely outside the box. Well, yeah, they've the, definitely toned down the Scorsese angle to, to, to this Yeah, the, 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 next, the next piece of where this kind of goes sideways is where Fitz is in the room and he goes, what? What is that smell? And Enoch looks at him just matter of course and says, "Oh, that man is a whatever the whatever, whatever his race species is. is yeah, his uh, his blood content is seventy two percent sulfur." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that makes total sense." And he, again, it's the it's the painting of an atmosphere not only with uh, vocabulary, not only with something alien, not only with something interesting looking, not only with something unexpected, i.e., jart lawn jart to the chest, but also. Something that smells that you and I couldn't smell anything, but we can smell it. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I, I think it's a, it's incredibly well put. Enoch is uncovered. This is very interesting. And a couple of things that you've mentioned make me want to go back and rewatch this portion of the episode. Yeah. Because if I understand what you're saying, you're saying that the other Chronicoms are the ones that made him go one dormant and then two start to yes okay now i'm gonna have to go back and watch when that the one I... who escaped on the zephyr mm-hmm. was plugged into the zephyr doing stuff mm-hmm. he was sending out a signal that made enoch uh go haywire power down and, and reboot okay yeah, very interesting. And again, it's all it's all very higher end science fiction. Oh, yeah. That typically would just completely get people lost. And I think it helps to propel this episode wonderfully. The time cop is another chronicom, but a hunter. Very interesting. And again, I love when there are different character classes of anything. Mm, yeah. It instantly paints back to uh, role playing days of your <laughs> inside of the dungeons and dragons use your character sheet stuff time to roll the 20 sided dice for a saving throw stuffs i love all that I, I love every single ounce of it whenever it's rolled into something like this i think it's an excellent excellent new set of color crayons it's being used to paint the picture and i love all of it uh, having the, these characters these new characters these hunter characters have a connection to Enoch also now endears the character even more mm-hmm. to the story because we liked Enoch already. Now he is the window into understanding these guys as well. So we need Enoch to stick around and we need Enoch to reboot himself and stop feeling sorry for himself. Yeah. I think the other thing that comes up really wonderfully inside of this episode with this advent is that we have always been fostering and or wanting to see and get more from Enoch as a character, as a chronicom. And now that we've met more chronicoms and we now know that they are chronicoms, but they're doing something that is literally totally alien Mm -hmm. to what we're seeing quote chronicoms do. 
again, it makes you lean in and want to know more about what's going on. It's really well done. Daisy unleashed with a side of drunky. I'm not going to beat this dead Daisy horse. But the what saved this without question was Simmons helping Daisy to aim. Yes. <laughs> There's no question. There's no question. That entire scene was easily saved by that. And then, of course, Daisy kicking ass, which is always just fun to watch anyway. If I can't quake it, I'll break it. Yeah. Yeah, great. great. Uh, again, again, the the humor, and because they are drunky drunk on tripping, they're tripping balls on the on the the puffy stuff. It's allowed because yeah. they're they they are tripping. Now, if they had not taken the puffers, everything would be serious. Everything would be calculated. They probably wouldn't have wasted so much time under tables and in, <laughs> admiring carpet, <laughs> things like that. But then we lose out on. The pacing for the episode, yeah, as well as the Bec- relationship building. Well, right. Yeah. Well, because they yeah. needed they needed to heal that rift. Yeah. There was a rift at the very beginning oh, of this question. episode. Yeah. Without question. And that rift needed to be healed. And and even though it might have gone on a little bit too long for you, the two of them being on the puffers helped their relationship. So again, we're able to get back to the, oh, okay, everything's fine with these two characters. We're back on the same page. Mm-hmm. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Enoch decommissioned and then re-energized. This is great. Enoch's depression slash self-pity party is the perfect length inside this episode, after which he becomes re-energized and engaged again. It was the perfect writing. It was the perfect direction. It was the perfect editing for his character inside of this portion of the episode. I can't imagine it being done more, more expertly. I'm I'm actually going to uh, nitpick here. Heretic, uh, because this this goes along the same lines as your. I hate it when bad guys throw people. <laughs> what was the point of decommissioning Enoch, but still allowing him to keep Function. on moving and functioning? Yeah, yeah I agree. Well, that where, I mean, where, I mean, I'm not the... complaining that we still have Enoch around. Right. Where, I where, love that. Where's the self-destruct toaster mode? Right. If right. we, if yeah, if the hunter, if the hunter chronicom was out to de, when I hear decommission, I, I'm going to throw out another '80s film for everybody. Short Circuit. <laughs> no disassemble Johnny Five. <laughs> Well, when I hear about when I hear they want to decommission Enoch, I'm thinking, oh, we're gonna we're gonna kill the character, mm-hmm. we're gonna shut him down. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't get shut down. Now, if moving forward, we learn some function inside of his body has been turned off, or there's a ticking clock to where more and more systems will shut down. That might even be a very a more interesting thing if mm-hmm. we learn in the next episode there's a there is a ticking clock, and eventually Enoch will slowly start to shut down permanently. If that happens, great. Then that explains this. But if that doesn't, then all we did was just throw a monkey wrench into the works for a few minutes that then didn't add to, uh, add up to anything. Yeah, or if a or, seed has been laid. A seed has been laid. And that's going again, to grow if a seed has been laid. Enoch. <laughs> but he'd have to grow a very dark goatee. <laughs> With a sash. With a sash. You can't forget the sash. Need to lay off those puffs, lady. <laughs> This character that comes out of nowhere, and I swear... The bouncer, he's a bouncer, man. I know, but I swear it's probably like an NBA player in makeup or something. This reminded me very much of yet another Star Trek episode <laughs> where we meet James Worthy inside of 
as a Klingon inside of one of the episodes that is just being pulled over by essentially the, 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 the next generation cops. <laughs> and this guy reminded me very much of that. It was that style of a, a cameo where someone can now also say, yeah, man, I, I appeared on TV as an alien. It was cool. I was in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. And I, I loved it. I, I love that he kind of knows everything. He knows all of the habits of stupid drunk people because that's what he deals with every single day of his life. Well, it was not the NBA, Mike. It oh, was do tell. He, uh, this was Bubba Ganter, uh, who actually was a high school football star. Oh, had a full college ride, but unfortunately injuries cut his football playing oh. days short. Mm. But he's a big guy. And he looks good in makeup. And he sounds great. And I, he sounds great. He I, sounds menacing. Yeah. I, I love what they portray here. The makeup was wonderful. Again, it, all of the makeup struck me as at least the Deep Space Nine level or above inside of everything we saw here. All of the aliens. That can actually be said, yeah, for all the aliens. There was, and, and yeah. you've, I've had the Nick pick before to where it's like, you know what? There's just too many human looking aliens around. Mm. In this episode, there was a great mixture of yeah. of characters that looked almost human and characters who looked nothing like a human yeah. being, and I really appreciated that. Yeah. Finally, yeah. somebody is listening to this show over there at ABC Studios because they're they're finally listening to Nick. Reunited, and it feels so. Oh shit! <laughs> this is great. Look, it's time to it's time to have the violins play and for them to have this touching, caressing hug and then a very deep longing kiss and push to break. And no soup for you. <laughs> We're not gonna have any of that. And I love it. I love it. It it's the it's the jerk. It's it's the jerk out of out of nice calming water that is instantly appreciated inside of the storytelling process, and it's perfect. Well, also, now you have to think of the f frame of mind Fitz is in moving forward. Yeah. Because before it was all about, okay, I got to get back into my little cryo-freeze so I can meet Gemma in 72 years in the future. Now it's, what the hell is Gemma doing here? Something, something definitely has changed, and of course, he's just been taken by the chrono-nator... <laughs> Hunter, the Chrononator. Ah, that's, that's his new name, Chrono the Nader. That's perfect. The Chrononator has taken him because he's not supposed to be in yeah. this. In, he's an anomaly. Yeah. So now Fitz is going to be moving forward in the season. Fitz is going to be wondering, well, A, what the hell went wrong? And B, I got to get to Gemma. Yeah. I got to get back to Gemma because she's here. Yeah. She's not in the future. Yeah. She's here. Yeah. It instantly cranks up the tension as well as the inserted timeline that's happening inside of the storytelling where... There isn't just the, well, now he's got to find a way to just chill for 72 years. That's not out the window. Yeah, it's gone. The, the, you have to find out what's going out on now because it's a completely different scenario. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on Earth, let's go make a mess. This is very interesting. Something that you and I talked about the preamble when we were having a bite to eat across the street yeah. was that the this entire episode, uh, no, no, no kidding, has been agents of the galaxy <laughs> in that it is a completely space-born episode. Yep, yep. And that we don't visit anybody from what was the hunt for not Coulson and his band of not-so-merry not men that have big guns and very ill intent. Right. Okay, well, 
what we expect inside the next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is exactly the opposite of what we're seeing here, where it's going to be that focus on what's going on on Earth and then perhaps a stinger of what then happens inside of space. Yeah, yeah. And I'm super curious to see if we're going to get a very delicious sandwich like that because I think it would make a lot of sense. So far, we're three episodes into this season and we've talked about for every episode, the pacing has been great. Yeah. Well, guess what? The pacing has been great for the season as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, again, well, only three episodes in. Yeah. And we are, we, we have been given a great balance of these dual stories. Mm-hmm. What's happening on Earth and what's happening out in space. Mm-hmm. Now, let's just, let's just uh, pretend for a second that this was a 22-episode season. Just imagine trying to spread all of that out. I'm really digging the fact that we have a condensed season because the storytelling is so dense Mm -hmm. every episode. And as long as that keeps going, I think we're probably in for one of the best seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ever. Uh, I totally agree with that. I think one of the other words that we used during our discussion was balance. Mm, Yes. And the, the effective nature of the storytelling to deliver... But then also, you know, flip it over on the other side so it can get some caramelization on that mm-hmm. side, too, has been wonderful as well. Nick, as we cut the break, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. Have you got any snacks over there? I have. You want some pink fluffy popcorn? Yeah, Mike? why not? I'm, I'm pretty hungry. I haven't eaten anything. Here and by the go. way, have I mentioned that I'm Terran? <laughs> well, 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 you look Terran. You look very Terran. Hmm. We'll be right back during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. What is the Podcast Matrix? The Podcast Matrix is your source for podcast hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted at podcastmatrix.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com.
Whoa! Welcome back, everyone! This microphone is so pretty, Nick. All kinds of colors. There might have been too much sugar in that pink, fluffy popcorn Bright I gave you. Bright colors. Bright colors. Okay, I'm back. Welcome, everyone, back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Our visit and review of Season 6, Episode 3... Fear and loathing on the planet of Kitson. Every time we come back from break, it's time to recover from the fluffy yummies, but also time to open up our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. Our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I look at an actor's portrayal, a piece of storytelling inside the episode, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? Mike, my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for this episode has got to be the ending stinger. Mm. Good pick. So many questions. No answers. We finally see Coulson fire off the weapon that he's been trying to fire off since he got to our world. Mm -hmm. And we're all expecting, oh, fiery doom from above. And no. No. It's not fiery doom at all. It's more of a mapping. Yes, yeah. maybe. Yeah, and there's there's geo geo marking something like something? that. Because yeah. on the screen yeah. we see that there's there are now like little X's marked in in certain spots across the United States. It leads to wonder. It's like, oh, okay, so that machine doesn't destroy. It maps out and leads you someplace else. So again, this nice these nice breadcrumbs that are being tossed. Mm, that's a great where word. Yeah. the Sarge and his crew storyline is concerned. It's we're, we're scratching our head because we're like, oh, what what it, who is this? Mm -hmm. it looks like Phil Coulson, but it can't be Phil Coulson. But it is Phil Coulson, but he's not Phil Coulson. Mm -hmm. I usually hate questions being stacked up on questions being stacked up on questions without getting any kind of answers. It's one of the reasons why I stopped watching Lost. Because mm -hmm. Lost, every week after an episode, you know, the uh, advertisement for next week, next week, secrets revealed, answers given. I'm like, all right, finally. And you watch the next episode and there's five it's, more it's questions nothing. with no answers at exactly. all. Exactly. Nothing is revealed. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing. And then at the end, you know, during the credit, <laughs> next week on Lost, secrets revealed, questions answered. And I'm like, uh, but okay, all right, fine. Yeah, sure, okay. Watch the next episode. Nothing. <laughs> so then when he says, next week on Lost, I'm like, screw you. No more next week on Lost. I'm out. <laughs> this here, we're, it's okay. It's three. We're three episodes in. And I'm not expecting questions. I, I don't want things handed to me right off the mm -hmm. bat. Because right. if it is, it, it, where where do you take the story? Yeah. yeah. So the fact that we get this nice stinger that now lets us stew with our minds going, oh my God, what does that mean? What do those X's mean? What does let's go make a mess mean? And we have to wait until next week. Yeah. So I love that. And that's why it's in my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for this episode is very straightforward. It's every single time we get to interact with Fitz and Enoch. Mm. So it's, the majority of delicious. the episode. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's delicious. It, it makes me want more. It instantly makes me start asking the same questions that you traditionally hate. And it, <laughs> but it provides me with some answers, mm -hmm. but then allows me to have some questions at the end of the episode that I don't have any idea how it's going to get pulled off. Because, again, for those that have forgotten, 
this episode does not end well for either Enoch or Fitz inside this episode. Yep, yep. And again, those two elements alone make for great storytelling. Now add on the 700 other great things that we've talked about inside this episode. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's super, super delicious. And that's where we ask you guys, what's inside your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier? Let us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Click and chime in on any one of the threads that's there or start your own. And let's talk more about this week's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Ah, the rating inside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. Striking boxcars and big money inside of not Las Vegas. A one is on the other side of the scale. Serving time in the space brothel. Everything starts as a seven. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? Uh, again, I could rehash pretty much everything I've said about this episode during this review. But uh, I, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to waste people's time. Again, three episodes in, the balance of storytelling is superb. Mm -hmm. This has everything that a really great written comic book would have. Uh, the only difference is, is instead of having to wait month to month, you only have to wait week to week. Mm -hmm. So yet again, it's it's a hot streak. Ten. Another ten for this, this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a 10's a great score for this episode. I, I can't give it a 10 this week. Mostly because of the drunky drunkness, but also because of the very lazy storytelling that happened inside the section of Mike's bluffing. <laughs> <laughs> I, of course, am going to give this episode a 10 as well. I, I <laughs> If you need to know why you're an idiot and shouldn't be listening to our program, or your option is to go listen to exactly what Nick and I have already said inside this episode. Right, right. Again, there's no reason to rehash it, but the, the word that I take the most credence out of everything inside this episode that you and I have utilized is balance. There is nothing that is being painted in pictures here that feels at all unbalanced, even the stuff that we've not gotten a lot of information on. Yeah, yeah. Somehow it's allowing itself to be a cupboard full of pots and pans, all of which are either now on the stove being used to cook up something yummy that won't make us all high and drunky drunk, <laughs> or you can see it being prepared with something else that's eventually going to get put onto the oven so that we can eat some more. Right. And guys, I love that. I, I love it when I not only am getting what I want, but I can kind of... I get that waft of something else that's coming down the pike that I think is going to be even more exciting than what we're looking at now. And that's where we ask you, what did you rate this episode? Season 6, Episode 3, Fear and Loathing on the Planet of Kitson. Let us know what you think. Again, go over to facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Click anywhere inside the threads that are being provided there or start one of your own. Let us know what you think. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Stay away from the pink poppers, people! We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., 
The Chronicle of the Stories and Soon-to-Be Legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash Shield Podcast. To be the first to be made aware of Agents of Shield news, the arrival of our newest reviews and more. The Agents of Shield Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication. Welcome to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, the only place where you will hear Mike and Nick bitch and moan about things that nobody else cares about. You know, Nick, it's time for a break and I'm hungry. Can you can you grab me that jar of really tasty looking fluffy yummies over there real quick? Sure, Mike. Here you go. Oh, gosh. Here's thanks. pink one. Take one. Take one of those. Here, let me spill my drink all over the oh. desk. That's great. That's what you get for being cheeky.